Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything with Pastor J.D. Greer. I am Matt Love, and as we mentioned last time, Pastor J.D. recently sat down with some college students from Hardin Baptist Church in Kentucky, and that group uh, was visiting Southeastern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary, and they were able to have kind of an impromptu live Ask Me Anything with questions from that group in the audience. So um, if you missed part one, go back and take a listen. Pastor J.D. answered the question, how do you have faith in something that you can't prove exists with a follow-up question about how to share your faith with others. And and all that's uh, so good and just a cool environment to be able to ask questions and get them answered. So today we're going to hop back in. We're going to join J.D. and Josh Dickens from Southeastern uh, for more honest questions and more quick, helpful answers. Where do you find balance of hating sin that you fall into, for those habitual sins, hating sin that you fall into, but not dwelling on it to the point where it waters down the cross um, that Christ has paid for? So you're not going to dwell on it to belittle the gospel, but you need to hate this, this sin. Yeah, well, I feel like I have a right answer and then a, a pastoral answer. The pastoral answer is most of you probably don't hate sin enough. Right, so the right answer is we need to get your focus onto Christ, but let's just be honest. Most of us, you know, um, there was a great article that just came out on the Gospel Coalition um, about repentance. It was by um, Greenberg. I actually tweeted it out two days ago. If you find me on Twitter, you can link to the article. Um, and she just talked about the signs of repentance, and one of them is that you genuinely, you're not just frustrated that you did it. You're not embarrassed by it. I mean, you may be, but the main thing is you just, You've learned to dislike it. And you've got to ask God, God, give me a hatred for that. So I would just start there and say that's where most of us um, could say, God, my heart. I mean, I, I've prayed this so many times. God, my heart, what's wrong with my heart? Why, why don't I hate that immorality and that um, lack of integrity that I have? And the fact that after all these years, I still care more on Sunday afternoon about what people thought about me than whether or not you know, they were impacted by the gospel. Why do I still get so jealous when another friend succeeds faster than I do when he's a pastor? And I'm, I'm kind of secretly wishing something bad happens to their church that way, our, you know, and I'm just like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, so lament that. So don't rush through that stage. Having said that, um, the Puritans used to say, um, this is one of the many places they got things right. For every one look you take at yourself, you should take 10 looks at Jesus Christ. In fact, where you learn to hate sin is by looking at the purity of Christ. You know, what's Romans 2, 4 say? It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not your determination to hate sin that's going to lead you to it. It's going to see it's the beauty of who Jesus is. And so you, you, you look at him and you, you, you yearn for the Holy Spirit to make you more like him. And then when you struggle in sin, you, you, know, you, you get up every day and you keep Winston Churchill, who wasn't a Christian, but he said, you know, success is going from one failure to the next. Um, Proverbs 24, 11. This is a great verse. I think it's Proverbs, somewhere in Proverbs 24. The righteous man falls seven times and gets back up again. All right, falls seven times. Let's, physically, what's it like to walk behind somebody who falls seven times? Imagine you're walking you know, through, the, through Target and the guy in front of you, you know, going down the aisle, falls. What do you do? You're like, dang, I wish I had my phone out. That would have been awesome. I could have put that on YouTube, got a million hits. All right, so he gets back up, he takes three more steps, and he falls again. What do you do now? This time your chuckle is a little less, you know, you're like, everything all right? He takes three more steps and falls again. 
at this point, you're calling somebody. If you follow somebody who falls seven times, you're like, dude, you're not fit to be out in public. When God chose an analogy for us, the righteous man, he said the righteous man falls seven times. Seven in the Bible is the number of completions. That's like him saying the righteous man falls all the time. The righteous, listen to this, the righteous man doesn't show his righteousness by never falling. The righteous man shows his righteousness by where he looks after he falls. The fact that he gets back up and keeps looking forward at Christ. So if you're gonna be righteous, it's not gonna be because you never fall. It's gonna be because you get back up and you keep focusing on Christ. I recently reread, this is one of these books you should read every five years, um, The Letters of John Newton, who as a Puritan wrote Amazing Grace. He's in his 80s. He said to another younger pastor in one of these letters, he said, I always thought that by my 80s, I would have put most of my sinful temptations behind me. I mean, you're 80, right? He said, uh, he said but I, I'm sad to tell you that some of the temptations, sinful temptations, are as strong in me today, if not stronger, as they were when I was in my 20s and 30s and at first become a Christian. And he said, at first, I was really discouraged by that, even asking, is there something wrong with me spiritually? Maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I'm not baptized with the Holy Spirit. Maybe the Pentecostals are right. He said, but as I've grown, what I've learned is that God will sometimes let us struggle with sins to the day we die so that we don't commit the worst sin, which is pride and forgetting how deeply we need God's grace. And then this is my paraphrase, but what he said is, on this side of the resurrection, growth in grace is not getting to a point where you no longer need grace. Growth in grace is growing in your awareness of just how much you actually need it. And I've, I've realized, C.S. Lewis, by the way, said the same thing. God lets us struggle with lesser sins to keep us from the ultimate one which is a lack of faith and, and pride. So yeah, that's, your, uh, that's, your, that's, that's the rest of your life right there. Amen, amen. And then to follow that up, how do you go about addressing friends um, who claim to be Christian, but there's no evidence, they don't have a quiet time, uh, they're walking in blatant sin? How do you speak to that? Yeah, practically speaking on that one, you have to say something. Probably about my, if you're like our college students, a third of you in here will err on the side of not saying anything. You just like, I'm not trying to be really critical, but it's just, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be confrontational. That's not you. You're not an Enneagram eight. You're not a D out of whatever personality program you use. You know, you're, you're, you're not that. And you just, you would rather crawl in a hole than confront a friend. And you have to say, look, the fruits of the gospel, maybe you're saved. I can't tell that, but they're not. I mean, and you have to say that to them. And I've seen people confronted that way that God used that to bring, you know, that. So that's about a third of you. About two thirds of you will say that too many times to that friend. But you'll say it and you'll say it until you basically cut off that relationship. So I think growing as a, a pastor, a leader, a minister of, of sorts is learning when and how to follow the Holy Spirit in the right balance of that. Um, usually you don't have more than one or two conversations like that at your initiative more than one or two a year. That's about all you got room for. And they need to be well-placed. You get one free one at the beginning. You know, let's just go to Chick-fil-A and let me tell you, I don't think you're a Christian. You get one of those. After that, you got to wait for the right moment. And the best thing you can do is live out consistently a walk with Jesus. Um, as you get older, one of the things that will happen if you live this way is you will, you will get letters and notes and Facebook posts five, 10 years from now of people who say, you never knew this, 
but I was watching you and I watched how you lived and I watched how you acted and I never said it to you, but it had the biggest, biggest impact on me. And so I, I got noticed for 10 years after I graduated college um, from, you know, not like 50 of them, but like two, you know, two or three of people that, that I impacted that way. So I think at, at that point, example will accompany the one or two conversations a year that you get to have. All right, I know JD's kind of on a roll there, uh, but we're gonna stop right there. You guys have heard JD answer questions enough to know sometimes he's gotta hop in and it's hard to, once he gets going, it's hard to find a good stopping point. So we're stopping here, we just chose one. Thank you for uh, joining us, listening to this. This is part two um, of kind of a live impromptu Ask Me Anything. And next week we're gonna do the final part of this conversation uh, where Pastor JD will answer questions about the church, calling and living on mission. So you don't wanna miss that. So join us next time if you want anything else from Pastor JD. In the meantime, other resources, um, go to jdgreer.com. You can find sermons and articles and all that good stuff, or follow him on social media and hear from him there. We will see you next time on Ask Me Anything. <laughs>